0: Welcome to Living Water Radio. Last Sunday was the second Sunday in the season of Advent in the church year. Advent is a season to prepare, and right now most people are preparing for Christmas, the first Advent. But there are two Advents in Christian history. Today, we're going to talk about the other one. My name is Pastor David Birkenall. My wife, Rev. Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast Sally is a Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ, ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, Number Zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Some hobbits eat a second breakfast. Many comedians have come out of the second city. And one of the distinguished historical churches of L.A. is Second Baptist Church. But what is the Second Advent? When I was in seminary in Berkeley, my first fieldwork assignment was at a church in San Francisco. My supervisor was a pastor who had come to focus his preaching on the signs of the end, the second coming, and the last judgment. Every Sunday, no matter what the lectionary texts were for that day, the subject of his preaching was always the same, the end times, and what current events might be their fulfillment. One Sunday, he announced that some people had come by to visit him as representatives of an evangelist from South Korea who had come to bring all the churches together. He encouraged members of the congregation to go and hear him. The evangelist's name was Sun Myung Moon, the founder of the Unification Church, often described as a cult and pejoratively called the Moonies. My supervising pastor later apologized to the congregation after more was understood about the heretical teaching of this movement. Sung Myung Moon later claimed to be the Messiah and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Christians confess in both the Nicene and Apostles' creeds the belief that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead as central to their faith. The word Advent means coming, and the season of Advent speaks of the coming of Jesus Christ at Christmas, but it also points to the second coming, or Advent, of Jesus Christ at the end of history. I was standing at the top of San Canyon Road in San looking west the other day, and I thought about the imagery we have received for that time in the Bible. In the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation to John, usually referred to as just Revelation— John describes the vision given to him of the Last Judgment. The appearance of Jesus is described in this way in Revelation 19, beginning at the 11th verse Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name inscribed that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, wearing fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name inscribed. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's a powerful image. Does it contradict everything you know about Jesus? The military images, the militant images, the seeming use of force and coercion? I get that. But now imagine that you didn't grow up in the United States, or that you grew up in slavery, or watching the body parts stack up fighting against slavery. That's the era of the battle hymn of the Republic, a hymn that some now reject because of its militant and military imagery, also based on this text. Imagine that you grew up someplace where a militant and oppressive government had made it illegal for you to worship and to serve God as you believe God called you to do. Imagine that you had paid a price, and that your family and everyone you loved continued to pay a price. Disappearing, physical torture, Loss of jobs, loss of family, loss of friends, or loss of hope for the future in this world, in order to make you give up God and your fellow Christians? What image would mean something to you about a God of love who also loves justice? Christians long for that second advent of Jesus, for Christ's return. It means that our redemption is near. The very last words of the Bible before the final blessing at the end of the book of Revelation are in Revelation 22.20. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus speaks about the last days throughout Matthew 24 and 25, but his emphasis is on the fact that they will come when least expected. He says in Matthew 24.36, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. I studied in Israel for a semester when I was in college, and our group of students was there for Christmas. We were in Bethlehem for Christmas Eve and at Redeemer Lutheran Church in the old city of Jerusalem for worship on Christmas Day. During the pastor's sermon, someone in the congregation got up and said that Jesus had been reincarnated as a boy in India and was being revealed to the world. Someone else stood up and responded that the Bible said that no one knows when Jesus will return. Note, this kind of thing does not generally happen in a Lutheran worship service. Order was finally restored, but It was a reminder that there are always people who believe that they have the inside track on God. Some people like to think that they have achieved a special knowledge known only by a few. This knowledge came to them not through study, but from influencers who made them feel that their prejudices were actually oppressed opinions, that they are the worthy ones, or at least have cracked the code. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel bulletproof because the arguments of others come from outside their world. It gives them a sense of superiority to and power over others. It's especially attractive to people who are beaten down, who have low self-esteem, and are looking for easy answers and an easy way to get up and get over. That's the appeal for QAnon, conspiracy theories, identity politics, even some types of beliefs that claim to be Christianity. They are especially attractive during times of social stress, like global pandemics. Instead, no one knows when the second advent of Jesus Christ will come. People will just be going on about their business, working, playing, studying, hanging out with their families, and everything will end. In a story told about Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, probably apocryphal but true, a man dropped by Luther's home and found him digging a hole so that he could plant an apple tree. The man came to talk about the signs of the end and of the coming judgment, which he believed was about to happen. He asked, Dr. Luther, what would you do if you knew the world was going to end tomorrow? Luther barely broke his stride and said, I think that I would plant my apple tree. That is how Christians respond to something that they cannot know. How do we respond? How can we live as people who know that all of history could end at any time? By doing what God has called us to do today, by always being ready, by repenting of what draws us from God and by walking in faith and in the promise of our baptisms, forward toward God, by living in love and service toward others because of the living relationship with the one true living God we have been given, by living as the people of God. As Paul writes in Romans 14, the seventh and eighth verse, we do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, We are the Lord's. We live between the two Advents. The first Advent happened when Jesus was born after about a thousand years of waiting. The second Advent will happen when Jesus comes to judge the world and takes those who trust in Him through faith and in baptism to be with Him forever after now at least two thousand years of waiting. Among those words from Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus reminds us to be like Boy Scouts and be prepared. He says in Matthew twenty-four forty-four, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Our hope for that day is in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus makes us ready for his second advent. Turn to God, receive his gifts, and live. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccines, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer sometime today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burke at all, and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's Self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross, so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Get your vaccine. It is the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Avoid crowds if you can and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and encourager.